Hey friend, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel. I'm a therapist on a mission to bridge the gap between faith and therapy. If you are new to Real Talk with Rachel, welcome. Here's what you can expect. Tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes, always under 20 minutes. And every other Wednesday, we share guest interviews with people I hand select to speak into your life. These episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your therapist. You're going to want to stick around until the end of today's show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Did you know that I offer several free resources on my website? One of my favorites is a monthly therapist thoughts email. I call it Joymail, and it's because it's not your average newsletter. Each month, I share a personal note from me that you can't find anywhere else on the internet, my favorite finds, podcast updates, and a free therapy resource. Go to rachelgilbert.com, that's spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L-G-I-L-B-E-R-T.com, Click the freebies tab and then click therapist thoughts to join the community. Well, today's guest is someone who influenced my career as a counselor. I met her in graduate school and she was my professor. Dr. Crawford was one of the psychologists who wrote therapist thoughts and this kind endorsement for my book, Image Restored. Here's what she said. What a refreshing powerfully written book of thought-provoking insights providing practical applications that can be used right away. I love the conceptualizations for the counselor and the strategies of how to navigate those client dynamics effectively. Well, in case you don't know her, here's a little background on our guest. Dr. Shannon Crawford is the CEO of Crawford Clinics, leadership performance psychologist, executive coach, podcast host of Unlock You with Dr. Shannon Crawford, and speaker with over 20 years of studying psychology and a decade of applying supported strategies to optimize performance for executives. She's innovated the restoring self-cohesion approach, and Dr. Crawford and her team of psychotherapists at Crawford Clinics have provided life-transforming counseling for thousands of business leaders, couples, families, and adolescents. As founder and CEO, she's established a holistic practice with a team of highly vetted and trained therapists to ensure every client achieves success in their life, relationships, and business. Well, my friends, I know you're going to love Dr. Crawford as much as I do, so please help me welcome her to the show. Well, hello, Dr. Crawford. Welcome to the show. It is my privilege to be here. Thank you for having me as a guest, Rachel. You are someone I've wanted on the show for a while now. I love the Lord's timing. It's always perfect. And I know I got to really know you and sit under your teaching when I was a student at TKU. And you were such a blessing. And one thing I loved about you is, one, you're just a very spirit-led, anointed woman. And I remember I would go to class and sometimes be maybe having a rough day or frazzled. And I could just always count on, you would always do some kind of little thing with us in the beginning. I don't know if you remember that, but it would just, it's like you could sense what we all brought into class and you were like, just calm down. It's going to be okay. (laughs) You did that. And so that really stuck with me. And so that makes me excited to introduce my listeners to you because I mean, no pressure, but I know the Holy Spirit in you is going to just overflow. That's what happens. So I'm excited to have you here and for them to get to meet you too. Thank you. Thank you. I was a grad student, you know, getting your doctorate takes literally forever. So I know how stressful it is. So my hope and joy is to help bring peace and joy back to people's lives. So thank you for that introduction. That was really sweet. Yeah. Okay. So in the introduction of the show, I read to the listeners, your professional bio and you're very accomplished and all the things, but if I were to tell them something about you, maybe a random fact about you that wouldn't be in your professional bio, what would you say? I've never been asked that. That's really fun. Um, I am currently working on a spy espionage book telling a psychology principle through an entertaining dark espionage romance story that I think will be really, really fun. So we're going to pitch it as either a feature film or a Netflix series so we can develop our characters. So that's one of the fun side hustles I'm working on. 
Oh, I love it. Yeah. Keep us posted because we will be your fans and help you get that thing up off the ground. That sounds so interesting. I love when people have that gift. I don't uh, possess that gift myself, but whenever other people do of being able to take a principle and turn it into a story that you're just like, I I can't, I want to read along with. And at the end, you're like, wait a second. I learned something in this story. I see what you did there. (laughs) Exactly. We want to do like a Chronicles of Narnia, but updated. And it's really talking about parts of self, which is what we'll talk about today. Yes. Okay. That's a really fun fact. I like that. Uh, All right. And then again, in your bio, we mentioned this, but I would love, because I'm sure some of the listeners, when they heard your bio, they may not know what this term means. And it is restoring self-cohesion, which is that a theory you have created? Is that correct? Yes. Absolutely. So it's building on the work of Kohut. And so he had the premise that cohesion is where we're trying to ultimately get to, where the inner world becomes fractured, not just multiple personality. Normally I say that and people go to the nth degree, but when you feel like I know what to do, but I can't do it, I have these thoughts that keep bothering me or feeling like an imposter, feeling sad or annoyed, but I don't know why second guessing yourself. And so he would say that that's a state of not being in cohesion. And so my goal is to build on the work of psychoanalysis, which just is a big long word that means the historic work of psychology that believes you are more complex than just willpower. And so our goal is to restore cohesion of your sense of self. So putting the world on the inside back together. Oh, I like that. So how does this differ from the traditional approach that we would take with people? Sure. Absolutely. Most of us are trained to think pretty lateral. So like you're one person, like a piece of paper, you have thoughts, you have beliefs, you have habits. And so when we think about changing a mindset, we try to think it just at the cognitive level. And so there's other theorists in this space, and there's definitely compliments like internal family systems. There's similarity. What it means is we are far more complex. And I think of it because as an executive coach, as well as a psychologist, I work with a lot of business owners. So one way to picture it is like you had an internal board meeting. So you have this whole executive world on the inside and your spirit man ideally is your C-suite or your executive part of your business. And so that's the part of you that the Holy Spirit speaks to. And you're like, okay, I feel God. I feel hope. I feel confidence. I'm going to write that book. I'm going to run after that person or that relationship or business. And then your soul mind, will, and emotions, the soul is supposed to be the executive assistant. That's the inner me that takes in the reality around me. So some people might describe that like, you know, big level T, like truth, capital letter, um, that God is good. And yet my soul is looking at my circumstances, my thoughts and my emotions, my past experience and going, but God doesn't feel good. I don't feel worthy. I don't feel like people are going to love me or accept me. So I'm now in a opposition where in the book of James, James one, it says we're a double-minded man and it makes us unstable because my executor knows big letter truth, but my soul is living in the reality of here and now in this broken world, life experience, pain and trauma, disappointment that's informing how it feels and what my thoughts are. And then you have a body and the body is like the customer facing employees. It's the executor that takes the thoughts, the emotions, your spirit man. And then now you have a response. Sometimes that response is fantastic. And you're like, I nailed it. That was a great presentation. And then sometimes you're like, why did my mind just freeze? I know this material. Why is nothing working? And I'm having mom brain or whatever. So those are those moments that you're like, oh, we are more complex. And then within that, your body has 11 different systems and it has 78 organs and over a hundred billion neurons. So at a body level, we can see different parts and then we would apply that in the soul. How many times have I said, I want to lose weight, but I also want chocolate cake. And we have these internal feuds where it's like save money for the future, Ooh, but vacation. And so we have parts of self that are at feud. 
And then we have a spirit man because in Isaiah and Revelation, it talks about the seven spirits that are before the throne. And so if we're made in God's image, which I believe we are based on Genesis 1 26, that we have more complexity than we realize. And like a symphony, you have all these parts of self and they're flowing so easily that you don't notice when you go between mom mode, you go into work mode, um, you go to check out all the lists of getting everything done on the to-do list. And you go between these self states and it's so fluid and organic that just like your body, it's digesting your food right now. And you're not thinking about it. You're taking oxygen in and turning it into a fuel source and you don't have to think about it. Your soul and your spirit are doing the same until we have a trauma. We have a core belief, whether a big trauma, like a major event or a small trauma, something that just chronic misattunement, like not feeling seen or known, having a core belief of feeling different or othered, something that inside my soul decided that's not safe. I'm going to hide that away. But it's not an abstract thought. It's a literal part of your soul and a literal part of your spirit that then comprise a stronghold that the enemy creates around those parts of you. And it's like a glitchy computer where most of my system is going forward. And yet I have this back here reaction that I'm like, why do I keep doing that? Where is that coming from? Restoring self-cohesion is the methodology to help you sync up your inner world and go, oh, that's that spot. Not just changing my beliefs at a cognitive level, but actually gaining a corrective experience and restoring relationship and intimacy with the part of my soul that has believed a lie. So then I can bring my spirit man back to leadership. And that's when my inner world is synced up the way it was intended at creation. Okay, friends, do you know now why I loved Dr. Crawford as a professor? <laughs> because even now I'm like, where's my pen and paper? I need to take notes. I'm, I'm going to re-listen to my own podcast so I can take notes because that was amazing. I'm curious, are you going to write a book on all that or are you writing one? Yes, that's the vision. So uh, my passion is to flow with the Lord's timing. So yeah. he at different times has put the fiction book, the allegory first, and that other times he's like, okay, write the literal psychology book. And so the goal is that we have the psychology book and the groups, workbooks, all of these things ready so that when we have the feature film or Netflix or whatever we end up doing on the creative side, we have QR codes and it directs and funnels people to say, Hey, if you want to know about your parts of self, Hey, let's remove shame and inadequacy and what's wrong with me feelings. And so we can actually direct people societally because the feature film will probably be pitched as secular. There won't be Christian content because we want to put it in the marketplace and then funnel and direct people to how do I now walk that out? And so it's a pretty large scale venture while I'm still the CEO of Crawford Clinics, doing therapy, executive coaching, speaking, oh, take a breath, right? Um, so that's where I think there's a timing to it because he's also still revealing aspects of our nature that I'm still geeking out at like how fantastic he's made us. And so we'll see the timing, but yes, I am working on that book. Yeah. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. God's timing is it's perfect. I mean, we know that it's kind of like you said, like, oh, of course I know that big truth that his timing is perfect, but then when we see it play out. You're like, oh, okay, I see why you didn't have me write that seven years ago when I initially wanted to and all that. So totally get that. Uh, so then for the listener who they were totally intrigued by everything you just said about self-cohesion and they want to, what would be just one practical step for them today on that? Well, something basic you can do is an internal board meeting. And on my website, on all our social media platforms, um, I have tutorials on how to do that. It's drshannoncrawford.com. Shannon spelled differently, S-H-A-N-N-A-N. So I'll, I'll bring you into that whole process. I don't want to go into it too much here for sake of time. But the first thing you can do, and it happened to me this morning, for absolutely no reason, I woke up just feeling sad and uneasy and conflict. And I was like, okay, nothing happened last night, nothing that I can think of today. And so I spent some time and in the history of my little life, I would have thought, oh, it's just spiritual warfare. And I wouldn't have addressed, oh yeah, it's probably that, but there's a reason this part of my soul is reacting to the spiritual warfare. 
So what we want to do is now ground things into body, soul, and spirit and honor all three. Many people in psychology don't focus on the spirit at all. And so it's all just your soul and you just need to think positive and have a good mantra. And they don't understand that there's a whole spirit realm. On the other side, there's a lot of people in the church that think everything is spiritual. You get saved and now Jesus is good. And I just confess positive scripture and I don't actually have to like minister to my soul. I don't have to actually work with my soul. Your spirit man is sealed under the day of redemption. That's awesome. That's the work of grace. And the Bible now says, work out your salvation, which doesn't mean salvation, like go to heaven. It means the sanctification of these precious parts of the soul that have believed lies that have been in pain. And there's buried disappointment and discouragement that an internal gatekeeper, which called your ego says, Hey, I can't think about that right now. I used to, in my own life, I'd go, Oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to think about that. And with my free will, I'm allowed to do that. You're allowed to kind of compartmentalize for a season. The problem is if that stays unconscious, it also stays as a door where the enemy can try to kill, still and destroy. He can affect your emotions, your thoughts and impulse behaviors, because those are the soul. That's the realm of the soul. And anything I don't bring into the presence of Jesus, I'm more vulnerable to an attack in that area. So I do believe that today was really awesome and amazing and probably the enemy was attacking. But more importantly, I needed to spend time filling that space, ministering to my own soul, where in Psalms, we see David saying, hey, soul, you will bless the Lord. We can see this internal relationship between the soul and the spirit, one not being better than another. They're just distinct. And we have to learn how to shepherd these inner parts of us that get scared anxious, overwhelmed. And so what I realized when I did an internal board meeting this morning so that I could still function and be a a good citizen today, I needed to spend time saying, hey, me that's feeling anxious or conflict, what's going on? And I was able to see a seven-year-old part of my soul that was something from the past that got triggered. And now I was able to say, hey, I want to invite you to my friend Jesus. And I can use my imagination. It's not hypnosis. It's not new age. It's just valuing the power of the imagination of saying, hey, I'm going to honor this part of me, this feeling that doesn't make sense, this thought that doesn't make sense. And instead of just whack-a-moling and trying to make it go away, I'm creating space. I'm creating opportunity for my soul to be ministered to. And so that's what that looks like of just slowing everything down creating time, which is the opposite of what human nature wants to do. I want to avoid, I want to eat ice cream. I want to feel better. I want to get another task done because our human nature is to avoid pain and increase pleasure, to slow everything down and purposely engage frustration, hurt. Maybe you had a conversation with your spouse last night and it still feels kind of icky. Maybe there's something going on with a child and you feel totally out of control right now. I want you to know that you're seen and that there is space for you. We can put the oxygen mask on your face and go slow so that your inside you can be valued. Jesus is at the door knocking. He wants to come and have intimacy and connection with every part of you that you hate or feel like you shouldn't feel like that, or you should be over that. That's a long time ago, et cetera. That is not the narrative of heaven. That's not the intimacy that he is inviting you into. And so that's the first step is just doing an internal board meeting. There's a lot more steps to it, but if you can at least start with that and then do some free writing and journaling to bring into conscious awareness, anything your soul may be dealing with outside of your awareness. I love how practical that is just the internal board meeting, because that is One, it's a visual, I'm a very visual person and I'm sure many of the listeners are as well, but then it also is just being kind to ourselves to, like you said, give that space to pause, to process and go, okay, what's happening? Team meeting, you know, timeout, let's do a team meeting. That's just, that's really, really powerful. And then I also liked what you mentioned, because I'm not sure that we think of it this way very often about that. We like to avoid pain and increase pleasure. I think that's really great to draw our attention to. I, I can't tell you the number of people since, and we're about to talk about my book because you were kind enough to, um, 
endorse it and write some of the therapist thoughts in it. So I want to make sure that we get to hear from you on, on some of the things that you contributed to the book. But, you know, I've gotten a lot of new counseling patients from having written that book. And I can't tell you the number of people, a theme I'm noticing is they felt led to buy the book. They're excited to buy the book. They get it in the mail and they're like, I've just been staring at it. I can't open it. And I'm realizing, and as we dig in, they're afraid of the pain that's going to come up. Like they're afraid Mm -hmm. of the things that they're going to have to deal with. And I appreciate you saying that because I've, I've been encouraging them and I want to encourage the listeners too, whether it's my book, whether it's any, any internal board meeting, whether it's a prayer meeting you're at, wherever you are, if the Lord is bringing it up, it's out of his loving kindness to us. Like that he's saying, Hey, lean into this. I want to actually bring yeah. healing here. I'm not, I'm not trying to bring it up just to torture you and like, you know, make you have to look back at and just, you know, be sit there and in your pain, he wants to actually walk you through it. And so, you know, you've mentioned a little bit about, um, I also just appreciate it. Sorry. There's several things you said that I'm like, I have to say that too. I yeah. really appreciate that you brought into that as you mentioned, a lot of times in psychology, the spiritual piece is left out. And mm-hmm. that's been something that's on my heart that I'm like, we need these to come back to like get together because there's so it's so beautiful when you have just that full circle. And so I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you doing this work in this area to stand for and say, hey, this is a whole per- person approach here. Now, a little bit ago when we first got started, we were talking about how sometimes people will like you said, or you gave the example of like, I want to lose weight, but I also would like the cake. And so can we talk for a little bit about the neuroscience of change and how just like when we know we want to do something, but then we don't do it, what's happening there in our minds? There's so many layers and again, body, soul, and spirit. So internally, there are parts of the soul that are designed to keep homeostasis, which just means balance. That's why people will stay in toxic jobs and relationships and lifestyles and poor eating habits because it's familiar and it's safe. The more anxiety we unconsciously have, and most of us don't realize the amount of anxiety, me included, that we have stored inside. And so what we do is we create compensatory, which just means I compensate for where I have anxiety, depression, disappointment, feelings of inferiority or less than. So those things all get tucked away. And so avoiding pain, increasing pleasure, I maintain what I can control, which is called the illusion of control. And so as long as things stay homeostasis or balanced, predictable, even if it's bad. That's why people go back to abusive relationships. They go back to things that they know are not good for them, but at least I can predict it. And if there's a sense of prediction, then there's the illusion that I'm in control. I'm safe. I'm not going to be blindsided. The problem with that is our inner world is not able to actually live from our spirit man. Because you're always at odds. And again, one is not better than the other, but like the vertebrae of your spine, you do have vertebrae that are supposed to be in alignment above another one. If you have a bulging disc and your spinal cord is being pinched, it cannot properly send and receive signals. Similarly, your inner world, we want our spirit man to be leading. Which means your true self, the vibrant you that comes alive with passion, with excitement, with joy, but we live in a culture of fear and disappointment and regret. And so when we go through something painful and we don't properly process it, think of it like a bulging disc where metaphorically, it's like your soul has stood in front and said, I will never go through that again. I will protect myself. I will never feel empty, alone, orphaned, unseen, abandoned, not have something that I think I need. And so we have literal parts of our soul and our spirit dedicated to holding things in place, including comfort eating, gaining pleasure through calories that hit the dopamine reward pathway. It gives glycemic index, which is a quick way to self-medicate. It gives simple carbs and sugars feed these parts of, well, they feed candida yeast overgrowth, which also creates an impulse toward that, but it also hits that dopamine reward pathway. And many people, even with brain conditions are unaware of the impact of how much we're actually trying to regulate our 
physiology as well as our psychology by going back to these comfort foods, not because we're weak-willed or we're bad or we need to try harder. We actually need to try softer. We need to lean back and be curious and create space because there's neuropathways dedicated to avoiding pain and increasing pleasure. So just like the end of your hand, you have nerve endings that help you pull away from pain. Internally, we have parts of us that pull away from pain. So for many of us, we may join the gym. We put money down. We got the diet. We got the plan. We got the accountability. It's not even an eating disorder. This is a good, healthy decision for your life. But there's other parts of you that go into a state of fear and deprivation that are like, oh, wait, you're taking away something that's my comfort at the end of the day. You're taking away my reward after I work hard. You're taking away my wine that helps me cut the edge off at the end of the day. No, no, no. You can't take away my chocolate cake. No, no, no. That's too threatening because my soul has accidentally turned to food as a source of comfort. Not good or bad. It's just a reality check. And I have to do that in my own life as well. If I'm in the middle of session and I'm starting to kind of like, oh, I just need caffeine or well, I want a piece of candy after this or something, then that's just a check for me. I don't need to come under shame or condemnation or feel bad. It's just a self-reflection moment to pause and say, soul, what are you actually needing? If we don't pause and do an internal board meeting and engage with those parts of our soul that are normally silenced because the impulse regulates instead of honoring and giving voice to the parts of us that are in pain. The reason we go to high carb, high sugar, alcohol, pain pills, porn, all these things is because it hits a place in the brain that helps give pleasure and masks temporarily. Man, I have a lot of stress at work. I'm really discouraged in a relationship, let's say. Wow, I feel really out of control in my life. Or I've moved and I don't really feel like I have people that know me and I feel really alone. There's many things that as humans we're feeling all the time, but we've whack-a-mole it so far deep into the unconscious that we're just managing our symptoms and behavior. And it's like being tethered back to your past until you finally resolve and work through that. You will continue to feel like a yo-yo where you move so far with your diet, your nutrition, your body image work, and then you're back. And it's like, oh man, I had a vacation and now my thighs look like cellulite, you know, whatever. And so then all of those fears and anxieties come back and they normally come back during times that you feel out of control, which means the defender protector parts of your soul have kind of gotten weakened during a time of transition. So what's down there anyway spills out which we could be annoyed at, or we could be grateful because by doing the work on the front end, many of us fear if I let myself cry or feel pain, it's a black abyss. I'm never going to get better. It's going to be so overwhelming, but it's quite the opposite. For the event, you have an, a rational amount of thoughts and emotions and impulses attached to that because your soul has to grieve. So you may have anger that you're like, why am I yelling at my kids and my spouse? Why am I feeling sad and crying while I'm doing the dishes? Where is this coming from? And we try to look at today, the seven-year-old me from this morning was a conflict from childhood that got triggered. It had nothing to do with anyone or anything in the present. It was just something that needed to be processed and metabolized. And when our defenders are lower, which is normally during sleep, stress and times of transition, then all of a sudden it's like the floodgates open and all these things start opening up. And so that's where you'll see the crash diet where people are like, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Oh my gosh. Why did I just eat the whole cake at 9 PM at night? Right? Like, well, how did that just happen? Don't be mad at yourself. The last thing you want to do is then crash diet and calorie restriction and all these mean things to yourself. The best thing is to be curious and start honoring your soul saying, what pain are you in? What pleasure am I trying to seek as a compensation instead of truly bringing my soul to the comforter? Yeah. Okay. So then what do you say to the person who, uh, cause I know some feedback and pushback, I think I've gotten sometimes on asking people to pause before we start numbing, right. Of whatever the numbing thing is, or that we're trying to avoid 
is they can't handle just one more thing right now. One more hard thing. Does that make sense? Like they're like, I don't want to stop and I don't want to stop and have an internal board meeting. It (laughs) feels much better to just scroll Instagram right now or to grab Mm -hmm. that piece of cake or whatever. So what do we tell them when they're there, when they're just like, don't ask me to do one more hard thing right now. I agree. Mm -hmm. I actually agree. Yeah. There's times that it's not okay to process because you're too in it. Yeah. It's like you're back here in the back of the brain getting hijacked with your limbic system, amygdala. I would actually recommend just go on a walk, check out, zone out. That is okay. I actually believe the Lord gives us our defense mechanisms, including what she's describing as disassociating, where you just kind of check out. I'm not really in my body. I just want to do something. And then I would block it on the calendar Mm. and say, okay, Right now, this is permission to just veg, watch a movie, do something fun, try not to hurt hurt yourself. Um, That's not a good idea. There's other substitutes than self-harm. But now, maybe the next morning, maybe in the next couple of days, you could just put it on the calendar to just be kind to yourself. And think of it like literally it's a relationship. Right now, there's like a caged part of your soul that is literally alone. I know it's abstract, but just hang in there with me. We have lots of parts of self. And when I say, oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't want to feel like that. I get to do that because I'm made in the image of a creator. And so as a creative being, I get to decide what is conscious and what is not conscious, who gets to come to the board meeting and be a part of my sense of self and who is disavowed. So a good clue of who is not allowed in your board meeting is anyone you've made a judgment against. Mm. So let's just take a minute and reflect. Have you made a judgment against a parent, a leader, a sibling, someone that you thought was, they thought they were better than that, or you're jealous or you're frustrated, or they were rude, they treated you poorly, then you know If you spent enough time with that person, there's what's called an introject, which means there is a part of me that's like that person, because that's how mirror neurons and modeling work, like it or not. I also speak English because they spoke English around me. I pick up lots of things, good, bad, and indifferent. So any part of you that you went, whoa, I don't like that. That's a bad part of me. That's the beginning of shame. Shame is such a tricky one. It's slippery because people try to do it as if it's like, I have shame. I repent of shame. Shame, go away. Stop thinking shame thoughts instead of going, oh, this is a precious part of me that is literally alone in a moment of pain. This is a part of me that my inner world has judged and deemed as bad. And so now there's a little defender in front saying, I'm not like them. I would never treat someone like that. I would never do that in my marriage or in my parenting. No way would I ever X, Y, Z. So that part of my soul has denied and judged anything that's like that, which means it creates a blind spot. And so where I have a blind spot, my defense mechanisms protest too much. So in myself as well, I go to my own therapy, just for the record, I believe in this as a lifestyle. I have my own blind spots, even though I teach this, I know this, and I live it every day. I highly recommend your listeners to do the same. It's not a sign of weakness or shame, or you have to wait for the wheels to fall off your life and be in a ditch. It's a proactive lifestyle to be kind in stewarding your soul. So in the moment, take a break disengage, do what you need to do. I highly recommend getting away from electronics, going on a walk, being in nature, getting sunlight and endorphins from exercise. If you're not, you know, prone to exercise as a self-harm method, but if any of those are possible, those are the best choice because it helps your inner world disconnect and not constantly still be stimulated. Then you put it on the calendar to say, Hey, what have I been protesting too much? What have I been not wanting to think about? What have I been trying to avoid? If someone brings up a conversation like, hey, how's work been? And you immediately have an emotional reaction and you're like, uh, fine, whatever. (laughs) You know, it's like, no, it's good. How's your marriage? Mm, It's wonderful. I don't want to talk about it. You know, and you may put on a facade, like everything's fine, but you know, that internal reaction or feeling like mom guilt, mom shame. If any of those reactions, you know, huh, my, my needing to zone out lately my weight gain, because I've just been sedentary and zoning out and eating without thinking, is that attached 
totally unrelated, doesn't seem like it connects, but is there some part of my soul that is alone and not receiving comfort? So if I don't go back, then I am a slave and it's a broken cistern that just, you go back to social media and you go back to the food and you go back to the porn and you go back to whatever else people use that we all do. No shame in that. It's just, there's an upgrade available. And so when you take the time to put it on the calendar and there's lots of times that I know I can't do this on my own. So I schedule an appointment. And by doing that, that's self-care. That's putting the oxygen mask on my face. So now you can show up so much better to the world around you. If I didn't take the time for an internal board meeting today, I know I would have been sluggish, annoyed, irritable, frustrated today because I've been on five podcasts today. So it's just a full day. And many of you have similar where you're like, I'm rushing from here to here. I got 12 hats that I'm juggling and I've got a kid here and a job and a demand here. We all have it. And we all have an excuse of why we don't have time. But in reality, we make time for what we prioritize, which is usually avoiding pain and increasing pleasure. Yes. And if you can't talk about it, it owns you. So mm-hmm. that's always a motivator for me. I'm like you, I have, I yeah. see therapists as well. Cause I agree. It's very just mm-hmm. part of our life. Just like I see all my, my chiropractor and all those types of people too. I'm like, same thing for yep. my mind. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, this is so good. And we're almost out of time. So here's what we're going to do because in my book image restored, you wrote a couple of the therapist thoughts and they were so good. I'm not going to read. I was going to read them and let you comment on them. But for time's sake, there's two of them that I feel like have a really good just overall message. And the first one was about how the diet industry takes more of a top down approach mm-hmm. and how you feel like there is a different way, a better way of bottom up approach. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes. As somebody who was a chubby kid, and you know how people say that and you're like, look back at their kids and you're like, yeah, your pictures, you're not actually chubby. I was actually chubby. I was undiagnosed hypothyroid slash Hashimoto's, which means my metabolism was literally not working. I was on fin fin diet pills, exercise. I was on all the things and all the sports and could not lose weight until I was finally properly diagnosed, which by the way, A lot of people, I went to a doctor and he said, oh, you're in the normal range of your thyroid panel. So he did not do a thorough panel. And if my mom had not insisted and taken me to an endocrinologist or a natural doctor who specializes in functional medicine, I would continue to have Hashimoto's and have no idea. So that's just a caveat of how much our physiology really is tied to our psychology and to our weight and our issues, right? So I was a literally a chubby kid no matter how hard I tried. And so I was on the diets. I was on the hamster wheel. I can tell you how to do it. And it never worked. And the more that I strive to try to lose weight, usually the worse it would get because the more you starve the body, the more it goes into hoarding and trying to make sure you have enough calories the next time that you deprive it. And I was not ever addressing the low self-esteem, the self-hatred, the disappointment, and repressed trauma that I wasn't aware yet in my healing journey that was down there. And so in a world that loves marketing, instant gratification, quick sale, you will have a pitch for 12,000 things that will come in your inbox or on your YouTube feed that tell you, Hey, just do these five different things. Just, and it's all based on willpower. Now, not to say there's not merit to those things. Those are good habits to implement for the most part. But if you don't address the internal world of where your soul is actually needing those carbs as a way to self-medicate, that your soul is needing to be overweight perhaps because maybe you were molested and you don't want to be seen as a sexual object. Maybe you needed to be skinny because that was what your family needed you to be. And this is your form of rebellion. I mean, there's a million different scenarios that we are far more complex And so when the Lord started to take me in my own inner healing journey, and I started to surrender that being such an idol, that if I'm just skinny, if I'm just pretty, then I'll be loved, then I'll be worthy. 
and on accident. And I use the word idol, which I know for some people could be kind of triggering. I don't mean it like I'm beating you up with like religious language. I'm just saying like anything I turn to as a source that I'm thinking, if I just get successful, if I just get pretty, if I just get skinny, if I just get a relationship, then all my things will be okay. And that's not reality. The Bible says, if you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, he'll add everything else. So I found the more that I spent time in pain processing, and now that doesn't mean all the time, right? Like your soul does have scaffolding. You do little bits at a time. And so when you do that work and you commit to that journey and you're saying, Hey soul, I know you want to get up and go to the kitchen right now, but are you actually hungry or are you wanting to communicate something else? And by being slow and methodical and mindful, you're actually gaining ground. And I would say, Lord, I acknowledge that food really has become a comforter for me. I repent and ask you to forgive me for holding food and caffeine and different things as an idol. And Lord, when I get scared, sad, disappointed, lonely, discouraged, would you help my soul learn to trust? like an infant at my mother's breast. Would you help my soul learn to turn to you? And I would just picture putting my head in his chest. And what I found is my body, my soul, and my spirit learned to stop turning to food. And I no longer had to put so much willpower, which is willpower is top down, instead of your soul being nurtured, your spirit man leading, and then your body going, oh, I don't need a food impulse right now. I don't need to release Lipton. I don't need that hunger hormone to try to satisfy something that's actually an emotional need. When you do that work, I noticed for me and many of my clients, the weight gradually starts to come off organically and it comes off in a way that it doesn't return. I don't live in a diet lifestyle. I try to be a good steward of my health, the ecology of my body, of creating a good ecosystem, but I don't count calories. I don't try to live this really rigorous life because I know for my personality as a sanguine seven Enneagram, like that's probably just not going to work. It's not going to last. But when I do start to, and I do, I'll turn back to food. I'll turn back and I'll catch myself and I go, huh, inside me, what you dealing with? What you, what's going on? And Jesus, I just shepherd my soul back into your presence. And I repent of turning to that idol. Thank you for ministering to my soul. And then the cravings go away organically. And it's really sweet. Yes. I have a very similar testimony to that as well. And it's so beautiful. Like you said, when it happens organically and when you just, you do start to get that healing and then things just kind of, I don't want to say, I don't know that fall into place is the best phrase, but really it is. It's when the spirit's leading and it's just, there's peace in it, yeah. right? It's like, you don't feel forced. You don't feel the striving. You don't feel the pressure, no shame, any of that. It's just gets to be fun again. Yes. Um, okay. So Dr. Crawford, the way I am feeling led to wrap up today's episode is you are just so anointed at walking people through really, I, I call them activations, but how kind of you would in grad school. And I don't know if you would like to close with either a prayer or even just some kind of something to give them a little bit of space to kind of just pause and do the internal board meeting like we've been talking about. I don't yeah. know if you feel led to do that or close us out in that way. I would be honored. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I know everybody's in different spaces as you listen to this, but if you're able, your eyes can technically be open, but it is easier to, with your eyes closed. And so we just want to start with deep breaths. You're changing your brain waves. You're changing your circadian rhythm. And the big inhale presses on those little organs, which tell the vagus nerve to turn off the fire alarm, which is amygdala. So we're just going to take some deep, slow, rhythmic breaths. And normally you would take a little bit more time than this, but I'm going to try to be uh, as quick as I can while still honoring your time. And let's just focus on a zipper at your belly button. And we're going to unzip over your abdomen, over your heart, over your mind, down your back. And we're going to peel layers to the right and to the left, peeling these layers off. Just acknowledging heaviness, weariness, discouragement. And like this river of living water, just washing all the debris of life. And instead of trying to rush through things, 
taking time to honor. Man, that conflict with a friend, that was really painful. It's okay to take time to process that. That situation with the job where you are unfairly treated, it matters. You matter. That person that betrayed you, even though you've already forgiven them, you still want to give time and space for your soul to process. And as we're taking deep breaths, we're inviting fear and control like bodyguards over your heart, parts of your soul to just stand back. So let's just picture we're uncaging our heart out of fear. We're inviting fear and control like bodyguards to stand back. We're inviting shame and pride. Pride is even low self-esteem. It's thinking just not the right thoughts about myself. And shame and inadequacy like bodyguards coming down. And let's picture taking the mask of the false self off. And invite your spirit man. It's like from the deep inside you and bring your spirit forward. And like you're bright and effervescent and loved and worthy of love. We're going to erase the word unworthy. And I want you to focus on being God's first choice. In that relationship, you may not have felt like the first choice. When you were looking for a job, you may not have felt like the first candidate. But God wants you to know that you're his first choice. That he wakes up every day so excited to spend time with you. Not so that you feel guilty and obligated, but he just wants you to know he is bigger. He is the most happy, consistent, joyful friend that wants to honor you in your process. Honor the anger, the sadness, the pain, the injustice. And as you allow your spirit to come forward and not perform for him, just allow yourself to be where you're at. And we let this warm sunlight wash over your heart. And if you can, if it feels safe, we're placing our head on his chest. For some people, that doesn't feel safe and it's okay. There's a whole nother process to help you with that. Sometimes God can come like Tigger or Aslan or a teddy bear. And if you can, just allow yourself to just kind of melt, to be hugged and not have to be on. We don't realize how many situations we come into that we are on and we're exhausted and depleted. And you don't have to perform. You get to just be. And in that space, allowing love to fill you up like carbonated bubbly soda, just moving around, dancing around inside of you that you don't earn, you don't deserve, and it's not going to be taken away. You are worthy of love. And then if we had more time, I would invite you to bring different parts of self into the committee to experience this encounter with a father who is perfect love not the projection of our past authority figures, but to truly allow yourself to be angry at God, to be disappointed, to have regret and pain and confusion and trust that there's intimacy and safety and he can handle it. And at the end of that, you will feel lighter and brighter and your spirit will shine and sparkle the way it's intended. So for the sake of time, I'll wrap up here and hand it back to you, Rachel. Woo. Okay. Thank you. I feel, I, I feel light right now. So listeners, if um, you weren't able to do that just now with your eyes closed and in a quiet space, can I encourage you to, whenever you get a chance, come back to this episode, skip ahead to the very end and just do that again. Cause that, that was just very nice. And I loved it for many reasons, but also just that we gave that space to 
to ourselves to say, okay, you can breathe. It's going to be okay. So that was beautiful. All right. Well, I know everybody wants to know where can I learn more about you, Dr. Crawford, and get more of your resources and your podcast and all the things. So share that with us now. Absolutely. The easiest is just to go to our website, uh, drshannoncrawford.com. Um, so Shannon spelled differently, S H A N N A N. And we have links for the YouTube channel, podcast, um, e learning. And so we'll be uh, rolling out some restoring self cohesion e learning on there, as well as a Bethel masterclass I did uh, for Bethel Church in Reading. So there's lots of resources on there, obviously, Instagram, all the things. And we have Crawford Clinics for therapy. We have a whole team, highly vetted, highly trained by me. And I have absolute confidence in them. And then if you're an executive, a pastor, a leader, influencer, then I would love to invest in you to create health in your organization. Perfect. And those links will also be in today's show notes. Well, thank you again for taking time to come on and just bless the listeners. I know they're going to love you just as much as I do. Thank you. This has been so fun. Thank you for the opportunity. It is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. I hope you're noticing a theme that I'm asking my guests to get practical during the interview, and that's exactly what Dr. Crawford did in today's episode. So I kind of feel like today's segment here with you and I can be short because we did that already in the interview, but... I just want to wrap it up for you with two questions for you to get practical and just to think on today and even throughout the week. Here's your first question. When was my last internal board meeting? Didn't you love that analogy she gave us? I know we could have listened to her talk about that for a very long time, but when was it? And then here's my second question for you. How are my spirit, soul, and body? Is one leading? Is one being ignored? Tune into that today and throughout the week. Let me pray over you before we go. Father, I thank you for every single listener who's sitting under the sound of my voice. Thank you that they decided to tune in, to lean into whatever the Holy Spirit was saying them today. And I just ask that you help each one of us be in tune to our whole self, that we can't have that self-cohesion that we talked about in today's episode. I pray that whatever they may be walking through today, even if it has nothing to do with what this episode was about, that they find some relief, some hope, some restoration in you, Jesus. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, my friends, I just thank you again for tuning in. I know you could listen to all kinds of shows and here you are with me. I very much appreciate it. And if you haven't already left a review for the show on Apple or wherever you listen, would you mind taking a moment to do that today? I read all those reviews that come through and they help other people find the show. So I very much appreciate that. Well, I pray that this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel. Rachel.